I I could do that. I could make that throw. So you could I you, could make that you throw. Could, you could th- make a throw rolling to your right forty yards downfield. Right I'm now, a dime, man. as a forty year old man, yes, I can. Heck yeah, <laughs> give it to me. Pass it over to those mountains, man. You would get sacked <laughs> immediately. Manhattan Bank has been serving the Gallatin Valley since 1905. Started by local farmers in order to help grow the agriculture industry, Manhattan Bank has since grown into a full-service bank serving the entire valley. With branches in Manhattan, Churchill, Three Forks, and Bozeman, you're never far from your local bank. As banks are consolidating and changing, Manhattan Bank sets themselves apart through consistency and a small-town banking feel. Come see why we have been in the valley for well over 100 years. Stop by the new building in Bozeman, see Justin Skillman and Tyler Dosher for your business banking, and Brad Wimmer for your home loans. Go Cats! Member FDIC. Welcome everybody to the R&R Catcast, a fan-based podcast focusing on Montana State athletes. We're two dudes named Ryan from the state of Washington talking about our dear Montana State. We hope you enjoy All right, welcome back, Bobcat fans. Thanks for joining us on another episode of the R&R Catcast. I'm one of your hosts, Ryan Foley. He's your host, Ryan Thornburg. We are the Ryans of the r r the Montana State affiliate of the Big Sky Podcast Network. And we have a sweet sponsor in Manhattan Bank. If you haven't heard, Manhattan Bank came on with us in this season, and they've been sponsoring our podcast. They have four locations, Bozeman, Churchill, Manhattan, Three Forks, taking care of all your banking needs in the Gallatin County. Awesome bank, awesome people over there. Talk to Justin and company. Get 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 your banking needs taken care of over there at Manhattan Bank. Thorny, we are here in the quarterfinals. That's what it is, right? The quarterfinals. Yes. All right. Because the next one is the semifinals and then the national championship. Okay. I just, I just t- yeah. uh, take a step back and think about it, but you're right. <laughs> <laughs> Do the math, crunch the numbers. Dude. Talk, talk to our analysts. These Bobcats, we are built for the playoffs. It feels like that's like, I don't know. I was reflecting on that today. It just seems like these cats, this iteration, this this team, this coaching, we just were built for postseason play. Absolutely, it does. It seems like this has kind of been what we've been building towards all season. We're getting healthy at the right time. It just feels like we're peaking. Everything is culminating right when you want it to. Man, it's it's awesome. It's an awesome time to be a part of this as a Bobcat fan, just cheering them on watching them get better seemingly every game. It feels like this might be the golden era of the Bobcats. Yeah. Yeah. I I can't argue with that. Just confident as I've been in the the playoffs probably ever. Correct. 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 Yes. Yeah, I would say that. Well, all right, listener, thanks for joining us again. Uh, If you haven't listened in, I've been trying to do a better job of this, just explaining who we are. We are... Uh, two Montana State alumni who started this podcast back in 2018. So a lot of you have been listening for a couple of years. We appreciate that. Appreciate you guys. And uh, yeah, the new listeners, we appreciate you coming on as well. 
Uh, we have a episode today. We're going to do a little bit of a recap for Weber. We did put out a instant reaction show last night that Thorny got promptly out this morning. Well done, buddy, on the Weber State. But uh, we'll go, probably go a little bit more in depth in that. We'll at least get into the stats. I know that for sure. And then we'll talk about uh, we'll talk about the pressure Coach Vegan had today. A short one. They're normally like thirty minutes long. This one was only about. 17, 18 minutes long. Not much going on in that one. There is some news about Willie Mac Garza we'll touch on. And Sonny Holland, um, Bobcat legend, the greatest Bobcat of all time, passed away today at the age of 84. And so we want to, you know, honor him and give our condolences and thoughts to his family. So uh, we just wanted to mention that. I know Montana State is going to be having a special sticker on their helmet to commemorate him. And uh, just kind of a sobering thought. Uh, I didn't, I did not know a lot about um, Sonny Holland, but uh, I thought Coulter Duanis did a nice job at, you know, kind of memorializing him on his show today. No, I mean, I, I agree. Like, I don't know a ton about Sonny Holland. I'm probably a terrible Bobcat fan for not knowing that just being kind of a younger fan. He was well before, my time as a Bobcat fan, but you knew his name. It's the Sonny Holland end zone. And now there's a statue of Sonny Holland outside the stadium. Mm. And, you know, he's been, a, he was a part of three national championships, you know, he, as a coach and a player at Montana state, he's been part of the program forever. And, you know, it's a, it's a sad day when a, an absolute legend like, like that passes away. Um, many considered him the greatest Bobcat of all time. And uh, yeah, just our condolences to, Bobcat fans to the Holland family and friends and everyone out there who is mourning the loss of a, of a great true Bobcat legend. Well stated. All right. Well then the meat of the show, will probably be talking about William and Mary, our quarterfinal opponent coming to Bozeman to play Friday night, eight fifteen kickoff in Montana, seven fifteen <laughs> Pacific coast time. I know you keep saying the yuck, man. I love it. I'm I'm all about that. Well, I'm just thinking like being there, how how awful it would be to be there in that cold weather. It's great if you're just sitting there watching on TV. That's also right in the middle, like right before my kids' bedtime. So I'm going to have to miss probably an hour of the game doing bedtime duties. <laughs> I don't know how that's going to work out. I'll figure something out. But yeah, it's not, not ideal. But it's on ESPN2 in like a relatively primetime spot, a little late, but. That's pretty cool. Yeah, Montana State's going to get some nice airtime on ESPN. I'm happy about that. I'm looking up where William & Mary is at. They're in Williamsburg, Virginia. So they're coming all the way from the East Coast over to Bozeman. They're going to be tired, man. It's going to be like 10 o'clock their time when we hit uh, kickoff time. Yeah, I heard they're coming over on Wednesday to try and, I assume, to acclimate, acclimate a little bit. To the time zone change, the weather, whatever. So yeah, that's I think it's smart in this kind of situation. If you can afford it, if you have the luxury of doing that, come out a couple days early. It's probably going to benefit you. Maybe do a little bit of sightseeing while you're out there. Let's pull up my weather app real quick for Bozeman. Those boys are going to step off the. <laughs> Those boys are going to step off the plane. Low on Wednesdays, twelve degrees. High of twenty nine. Thursday, low of nine. High of thirty. And then Friday, low 15, high of 30. So overnight lows don't look 
terrible. It's not like the lows we've seen in the last couple of weeks. Actually, the field will probably be in better condition than it has been, I would imagine. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, it was pretty pretty gnarly against Weber State, the frozen tundra there. But uh, also looking at this, <laughs> Williamsburg, Virginia, elevation 82 feet, obviously, sea level. So that's going to be a big, uh, big change for them coming uh, time zone yeah. change, temperature change, and elevation change. Well, I think they won't have a problem adjusting to the cold once the game gets started. Although I, I might be wrong. That might actually be a real thing. Uh, advantage Bobcats, right? Yeah, I don't know how much. But if there's going to be an advantage, yes. But who knows if that's a real thing or not. The teams come out and they, they get juiced. They get the adrenaline going. You know, cold doesn't really matter all that much once you take your first hit. Yeah. That's what I was thinking. It's weird to me how confident Montana State fans are right now. I mean, weird or surprising? You and I interact on as uh, surprising, I suppose, is is the word because I don't think we've ever lived in this land. Like, I think we should be confident, but uh, I just it doesn't come natural to me. No, I I agree. Like, I'm there's still part of me holding on to the that old, you know, hey, we're we're the underdogs, even if we're. The higher seed, we're just still like, oh, we're lucky to be here kind of mentality. Like, that's it's gone. And that vegans toss that aside. Fans are starting to follow suit a little bit. Mm-hmm. But yeah, uncharted territory a little bit. Like, just being confident going into every single playoff game. Like, hey, we should win this game. And this is one of those games I feel, I'm feeling that way. And Bobcat Nation is absolutely feeling that way right now. A little more so yeah, than they right, probably man. should. And we'll get into that. But... Yeah, it's a good time to be a Bobcat fan because you got that confidence and uh, Vegan has given us no reason to not be confident. The team, the performance, the season we've had, we should be confident. I feel confident. I feel good. And I've just been having trouble accepting that confidence. I'm just, I think I'm just going to accept it now. I'm just gonna bring it on. Just pour it That's over right. me. We're going right. to win, man. <laughs> I think we need to have respect for our opponents. That's one thing. So there is some fans on like Bobcat Nation. They're just spousing off right now. And you're just like, come on, man. Just those guys like, hey, if I was having a tailgate over in Bozeman and William and Mary showed up, those guys have beers on me all night long. Food, anything I got you. You're making the trip. Welcome to Bozeman. Now we're kind of going off the rails here before we even start talking about what was in our golden coolies here. But, uh, I will just say, take cautious. I, I take caution anytime that you're dismissing a team because they play in a what you perceive as an inferior conference. That doesn't mean that they aren't a good football team. Yeah, there can be absolutely, absolutely. a a dynamo team in a bad conference. That is a very very real situation. I kind of missed the opportunity to maybe talk to someone from William and Mary. We normally do that. I didn't think about that. Yeah, I don't know. It it just seems way too hard to line that up, especially if they're on the East Coast and someone's over there on the East Coast. The time zone will never work for our show. Yeah, it's a good point. But I didn't even try this <laughs> we're time. We're a late night show. <laughs> if we make it to the next one, All I right, know hey. that there are some South Dakota State podcasts that are easy to reach out to. So we could do something if we make it past the tribe. Assuming uh, South Dakota State takes care of Samford. Is that right? I can't remember. Holy now, Cross. But yeah. Holy Cross. Which makes you just want to sing Holy Diver every time I hear it to the tune of Holy <laughs> Cross. <laughs> You're welcome if I just planted that into your head. 
If you don't know what Holy Better Diver is, well, you're probably lucky, to be honest with you. All right. Nine, ten minutes into this, we haven't done anything. <laughs> Jeez. We're on a tear I've been here. listening to a little bit. Uh, yeah, let's, let's just go into our golden coolies. What's in our golden coolies, Thorny? What's in your golden coolies? What a great transition that was. Uh, I have the, and I, I say this different every time, and I, I was actually Googling how to pronounce it beforehand. Elysian. I don't know how to say the brewery, man. Elysian. Elysian. Stay with me. Are you sure? Are you, how are you positive? How do you know that? It just, I have this confidence okay. within me that right. it's Elysian. Elysian by Frost Winter Ale, because I'm literally down to the last two beers in my fridge, and they're both this, and I'm drinking both of them tonight. I had, I've had this, uh, was this for Cat Grizz? I had this for before a game. Oh, man. I've, I've had it one other time. I feel like you need to like actually go buy beer uh, one of these days. You drank Rainier for like do- four you- weeks straight. I don't want to hear anything from you, buddy. <laughs> this is the second time i've had this on the show you give me crap every single time that i've had a beer one other time like a month ago and mr drink rainier like three four weeks in a row (laughs) i don't want to hear it all right it's a good beer it's still good luck and the bifrost thing it's got like a nice can with like frigid trees on it and stuff it's gonna be perfect for friday for william and mary coming up here and and getting all frosty so i'm i'm happy with it you got a Rainier? You're drinking Rainier? <laughs> it's my secondary. It's my secondary. <laughs> <laughs> okay. He was showing it to me on the camera for those for those not watching, yeah. nobody's watching. So for everybody else, he was showing me a Rainier. Oh, man. Do you think we'll ever go live stream? I kind of want to some, at some point. I kind of do. Maybe you should leave it up to the fans if they want to see us live stream or not. All right. So I've been I've been debating to putting this on a, on a poll forever for the fear of people would say yes. But there it is. If you ever want to see us do like a live stream video of some kind for any situation, hit us up. Let us know. We'll take it into consideration. I would like to see like more fan interaction, like get some fans like talking on the on the cat cast and whatnot. Not just golden coolie questions, but it'd be kind of fun. That'd be a way. Anyways. All right. I went to Perry Street last night to prepare for tonight. I was doing some stats and just looking at some uh, William and Mary stuff. And uh, they put out a new beer that I got a growler full called the Dunkel. I think they call it the Drunkle, but I think that's kind of a stupid name. So I'm just going to call it the Dunkel. And it's a uh, multi dark chocolatey. It's delicious. It's like 5.9%. Just what you would like, Thorny. What is multi dark? Really mean? good, man. What's that? What does multi dark mean? More than one dark? I said multi. Yeah, what is multi? Oh, multi. <laughs> Even when you just said it again, I heard multi, like M U L T I. I was like, what are you talking about? More than one dark. Many darks. Okay. Yeah, that does sound like a beer I would enjoy. I love dark beer. I love right around that six, six and a half percent alcohol content. Yeah. All right. Delicious. My wife is even having a pint of it. There's a burp. You burped. <laughs> I have to edit those out, man. Just FYI. Your 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 mic has a mute button on it. You should hit that and then burp and then unmute yourself. At this point, I think we just <laughs> leave everything in. 
<laughs> no, no, I edited all those out. You'll be you'll be horrified if I didn't. Anyway, let's move on, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm keeping that discussion in. What's next? <laughs> Steer the ship. Well, let's talk about the presser. So, Coach Vegan had a presser. Does he do it in the morning? Because he always texts me like information about it, right? Like right when I'm teaching like second period. Jeff Choates used to be Must live be broadcast. They aren't with with uh, um, Vegan. I don't know when they start. I think it's around ten thirty our time. Seems to be when stuff starts pouring out on Twitter. Between ten and eleven, I think. So you know, somewhere in there. Normally, I have some like good like a nugget or two from this press conference, but I don't, it was pretty basic. I mean, he spent some time talking about Sonny Holland and what that means to the team. There was a couple questions from Alex and Victor about that. And all I gathered was they're going to wear, like, like I said, a a sticker to commemorate Sonny Holland. And then um, they talked to him about the schedule, how he, he said, basically you just kind of reset your clock. You push everything day forward typically the team gets sunday off and so they brought the guys in on sunday and then and then he said it's kind of business as usual they know the how to navigate that late day they've had a couple games already that have had that eight o'clock eight fifteen eight thirty start time yeah i think they're gonna be good to go so that's kind of all i picked up we normally talk about some sort of um injuries for once, we didn't have any See? injuries come out. That's of this the biggest game. takeaway to me is that we're not. There's no new injuries. That, yeah, that's a miracle. Right? That's like the first one. Well, and then then there was the surprising news that Willie Mac Garza is going to be calling plays again, and that was the way he handled it was just so a matter of fact. Someone said, "Oh, you know, how do you like Bobby Daly? Bobby Daly did a great job. So is he going to be on the call again? He's, no, we're going to go back to Willie." Ah, uh, yeah. I, I don't know how I feel about that. Like, I don't know how I feel about, I mean, basically, Vegan said, like, uh, I'm paraphrasing here because I don't remember exactly what he said, but like the worst punishment you can give a coach is not having him be out there with this guy's calling plays on on game day. Basically, he made it sound, and he also said in a couple other, you know, internal things or something like that, but he made it sound like basically a one a one game suspension uh, for right now was uh enough that was enough punishment for Willie Matt Garza and I'm not sure I agree with that I'm not sure I agree with the guy who got uh this is all allegedly I guess there's there hasn't been any um uh whatever conviction or whatever but allegedly got his third DUI I mean uh vegan talked about it when he hired him because that came up his past came up and vegan you know second chance and all that good stuff and here he is he got he got another one allegedly, and I don't I just don't love how he handled it. It just seemed a little too matter of factly for me. Yeah, I would agree with that. It doesn't feel right. I know a lot of Bobcat supporters don't feel okay with it right now. Do you think, in your estimation, that this is a blind spot for Vegan because of his affection for Willie Mac? I don't know. I might just be a blind spot and just vegan is just a nice guy and he's doesn't want to do the, the tough thing on this or maybe it's just some sort of contractual thing. And if they let him go while he's in a contract without any sort of conviction or anything like that, then it's uh opens him up for a lawsuit later. Maybe they're playing it smart and from that angle. I don't know. I don't want to speculate on anything. It just, it's not a great look is all it boils down to, to me. 
that it was just a one game suspension for a guy who got his third DUI. Yeah. I don't think the play calling is going to be all that different. I don't think that it's going to affect the play on the field. It's just not a good look. Like the optics of it, it's just off. I don't know in in like you know the thirty thousand foot view if, if Willie Mack is the answer going forward. I mean, look, I was trying to find like where Montana ranks in defense. You're right, Thorny. Like I, I kind of I, I talked to you last week. You said Montana State's not a top thirty defense. We're not top to thirty defense. No, we're like <laughs> middle of the pack, like exact, like in the forties and fifties on a lot of stuff nationally. Yeah. And <laughs> you know who has like top rated defenses? South Dakota State, North Dakota State, Sac State. A lot of these other William teams, and Mary Weber State had, yeah, William and scoring Mary scoring defense. Anyway. Uh, well, yeah. So it's the most important ones. I was a defense. little bit surprised when I started like digging into the into the data last night. I was like, oh man. Montana State uh, by far is not. the outlier when it comes to teams left in the playoffs defensively. Everyone else mm-hmm. is like pretty good up there. And there's like Montana State like, hey guys, <laughs> just hanging out way back there. But our, our scoring differential is probably, probably better than half of them. Like how much sure. we win by. So does it all matter? I don't know. We'll find out. But that could be the downfall as we go through it. So back to your point real quick. While we wrap the discussion. Yeah. I don't know if Garza is going to be retained or not. I imagine with this situation, I can't imagine he will be. Because the def- the performance has been average, and with that uh, off-the-field issue, we'll see. All right, man. All the best to Willie Mack, to be honest with you. I mean, guy, we wish you well, man. Yep. We really do. All right. Hey, let's get into the stats because I know that's what you like to do. Stats, 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 stats. All right. Well, to get on to the game, the victory in Bozeman, 33-25, your Montana State Bobcats take down the sequel. Weber State comes back to Bozeman the second time in like six weeks or whatever. <laughs> ended up being able to handle them again, 33-25, like I said. So let's run down some of the stats here. Bobcats roll up 30 first downs in this one. That is a big number to Weber State 16. Cats are 6 of 13 on third down while Weber State was 5 of 11. So both teams are just under 50%. 554 total yards for the Bobcats. 166 through the air and 388 on the ground. Weber State, who ran for like 330 some odd yards against North Dakota, was only able to get 124 yards against the Bobcats. They did go for 4.6 yards per carry, which is pretty decent, but just 124 yards there and 193 through the air uh, with the interception thrown there by uh, Weber State. Two penalties each, just for 10 yards, so a couple procedural penalties. I don't remember exactly what they were, but yeah, just two for 10 for both teams, so penalties were pretty much a non-factor in this one. Time of possession, 38 minutes and 18 seconds for the Bobcats. Man, that is pretty dominant. Under That leaves Weber State with just 21 minutes and 42 seconds to get things going. So pretty dominant performance. Statistically, when you're looking across there, the scoreboard, uh, closer than the stats would indicate, and we'll talk about why they ended up that way, but pretty dominant performance by the Bobcats overall. 
Uh, Weaver was two for two in the red zone. Montana State was five for six. We missed that 49-yard field goal from Stones. Uh, that was his only blemish in the last month or two. So I'm super impressed with him. Uh, we, they had one sack for nine yards, which I think was at the Sean Chambers. It had to be the Sean Chambers like weird reverse thing. Yeah. We had two sacks for 12 yards, both from Ty Okada. And let's see. So let's get into some personal stats. Tommy Malott was 13 for 19 passing, 91 yards, 21 carries for 167 with a long of 32 for rushing. So Tommy Malott goes over. Thorny, can you see right there? Is it 167? Did I write that down right? Or is it 116? <laughs> for rushing yards for Tommy? Terrible. Yeah. yeah. 167, man. We're on a okay. computer right okay. now. I don't know why you go transpose all this stuff and then you come back and you can't read your own handwriting. But it's old school. Yeah, do what you're going to do. Like gonna do. do it. Fonse was at 10 carries for, for 91 yards. Man, it was just good to see that guy back. He's uh, his uh, presser today. We were talking about this before. The way that we don't get to, I haven't seen Fonse talk all that much. He's just a really pleasant guy to listen to. Well, like he's. He, he's articulate and uh, happy. You know, he just ha- he has a good vibe to him. I like that. Uh, it's Sean Chambers, two for two, 75 yards, touched two touchdowns. And then he had 14 carries for 83 yards and uh, one touchdown. All that guy does is score touchdowns. I mean, he gets in once in a while, but all he does is score touchdowns. It's just, I keep laughing at him. Like he just piles them up. Like they're like, oh yeah, three here, a couple there. No offense Impressive, to Tommy Malott, but should it not be touchdown, Sean? Yeah, no doubt, right? <laughs> Scoring, uh, Sean. See. Elijah Elliott, he had six carries, 34 yards. Willie Patterson had three catches, 54 or 53 with a long of 47. That was that dime from Chambers. Man, that was such a good throw. Talk about throwing across the field and putting it right on him. Perfect. Taco Dowler had three for 44. Derek Snell had... Two for 42 with a touchdown reception from Chambers as well. Stones was four for five. He had makes from 36, 33, 31, and 34 from both sides of the field. He just doesn't matter, man. It's just so good. It was beautiful. He had that miss from 49, although I think if he would have put it on target, it might have been blocked. Weaver had a really good approach on that one, so uh, he might have been trying to Pull it there just a little bit. Hey, speak, to, speaking of which, when uh, Glessner lined up for his first field goal, did you have flashbacks of the blocked kick last time? Because I did. I was like, please don't no, block No, I can't this. say I did, man. Yeah. So, Bronson Barron, now we're moving over to Weaver's side. Bronson was uh, 9 of 13. Both, actually, Kylan Weiser and Bronson Barron were both 9 of 13. Bronson had 80, 82 yards with uh, two touchdowns. No, excuse me, with one touchdown in Kylan. Weiser was 9 of 13 with 111. He hit a hot streak there in the fourth quarter. He had two touchdowns. The guy I was really concerned about, two guys I was really concerned about, Dante McMillan and Josh Davis. Dante McMillan was 9 for 56. He had a long of 20 right there in the fourth quarter, so we really bottled him up. Josh Davis was only 6 for 29. That was a guy we were both really concerned about. Um, Bingston didn't do much either. Ty McPherson... He didn't drop anything this week. 
He had five catches for 59 yards with a long of 19 with one touchdown. Josh Christensen was three for 45 with one touchdown. And Abraham Williams, their star returner, had five returns for a total of 94 yards. That sounds like a lot, but he had a long of 24. So special teams was doing a really good job um, bottling up Abraham Williams in uh, the punt rega- uh, the punt return game as well. So they didn't return a single I didn't punch. mention any of our uh, Danny. You had an interception off the head of Jeff Manning. <laughs> head butted it. That's such a funny looking play. And then uh, Ty Okada, six tackles with two sacks. Man, Ty had himself a game. It's good. Ty, to see- he's in good position that game. Yeah, the way they used him, they uh, he was just they just put him in a better position to succeed. It was good seeing him wreaking havoc in the backfield because that's what he did so well last year, like coming off of corner blitzes and just sticking his nose in there. Like he just hasn't done that this year. So there's there's the question: Was that something that would have happened anyway? Was or was that a Bobby Daly wrinkle? Yeah, I'm not sure, man. Because I had, liked it though. He had zero sacks all year long, and then all of a sudden he had two in one game with a new defensive coordinator. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know who's. Uh, whose hands were on that one, but I love it. And we almost didn't punt for the third game in a row. I know. Just one, just one punt. Bryce, Bryce Layton. Layton came on when we couldn't convert. To, we were second and one, and we couldn't convert. That was bad. Yeah. Put Sean Chambers in there. Just get him the first down. That was weird. Yeah. So the only time I've seen us go three and out. That might- but in like since... Yeah, that's a rare anymore. Yeah, that's a pretty that's a rarity. That's a good that's a good stat to research. If I remember and have time, how 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 often the cats go three and out? I don't think it's very often. Go look back at Montana State's drives since Northern Arizona. <laughs> Is it just touchdowns and field goals? Oh my gosh! Yeah, and then victory formations when we're not doing them. <laughs> taking any, taking any. Yeah, man, it was a. Let's just get into the game, man. Uh, we we had control of this game. It was, it was a. Uh, you know, the first quarter, first half was still relatively close, but you just felt like the Bobcats were the better team. We just kept stalling out in the red zone. Our red zone offense was terrible, and you know it was thirteen to ten, and we drove down, and we're gonna kick a field goal before halftime before Jay Hill called three all three of his timeouts to try and <laughs> ice. Stones, Glessner, and each each one more and more booze, and then Jay Hill finally on the last one is kind of you know egging the crowd on <laughs> with a smile on his face. I don't give him too much you know crap for that. I did post on Twitter that the Bobcats uh, scored twenty straight points after he did that, but you know it was all in good fun. Like I wasn't legitimately <laughs> upset about anything. Track. Not that anyone's <laughs> keeping score, but yeah, so 16, 16 to ten at halftime. I'm just I'm kind of curious. Uh, how are you feeling at halftime? I guess you hadn't even watched the game at that point. You were relying no, on me I just was at my son. blasting you text updates. Yeah, you did a great job of that too, man. You and I wasn't responding because I was driving I in and out of Spokane to Liberty Lake, and I was, you know, doing my son's basketball games. I was, I was trying to keep it good. very I mean, uh, play by play e and not like shit, 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 shit stuff like that. <laughs> Just yeah, you fact, did a good man. job of withhold, withholding the negativity. And it's okay to be negative when we deserve it. Uh, but yeah, 
no, I was feeling pretty good. Um, I was nervous. Like I thought Saturday was going to go well for me. It didn't. I got up early and I had that like the nervous feelings, the nervous tummy. I was like, oh man, this is big game. We were like, all of a sudden I was like, our, our season can end today if this doesn't go our way. And the time from time I woke up to game time just took forever. You know, it's one of those days where you just vacuum your house, you find some chores to do, you unload the dishwasher kind of day. And you're just like, man, I got to wait for game time. You, you like go on a run. And I was just doing all the things I could do to keep my mind busy. But game time would not come fast enough. And then I had to go to my son's basketball game, like I just said. I couldn't watch the game because, you know, I want to, you know, I want to be a good dad, you know, tune into what Miles is doing out there on the court. And I didn't get home until halftime. How are you feeling? I was feeling pretty good. I was feeling pretty good. Like I said, I think the Bobcats were in control of the game. And, you know, Weaver State had a couple nice drives there. But overall, I thought we were doing a pretty good job. It just seemed like a nice, clean game. And the Bobcats were the better team and that we were eventually going to pull away. So I was feeling pretty good. I was happy we scored right before halftime and then we stopped them from scoring right before halftime. So that's always like a bugaboo for you and me, right? If we give up any points before halftime, but we were the team that scored before halftime. So that was a, a good boost. And I knew we were getting the ball back in the second half. So that was also, you know, all right, we get the ball back. If we score right away, you're feeling real good. How do you think we used Defonse? So we have a Golden Cooley question about this. So let's go ahead and... uh we, we forgot to ask for Golden Cooley questions, so we only have one to answer, so let's just do it right now because it's very pertinent. Shay Richter on Twitter asks us, uh, what was the worst part of having Afonso back in the lineup and what was the best part? So that's a pretty good uh, transition to the question that you just asked. I thought we used him pretty well. Uh, there were some times where it seemed like we kind of went back to just handing it off to Afonso in a uncreative manner and having him to smash into the middle, which is what we saw last year. I don't know if that would have been the same game plan if it was somebody else. I just, I don't know the answer to that. But there were some times where Afonso is like, yeah, I'm not sure that's the the call I would do there. Uh, it's hard to say if that was Afonso, but overall, I, I was pleased with how they used him. They got him in situations where he he could, you know, make some guys miss or run some guys over. And, you know, what did he finish? 10 carries for 90-some yards and, like, nine yards a carry? I mean, you can't really argue too much about that. You can't, but I know Elijah Elliott would have gotten that if it, if uh, Afonso wasn't there. Like, it was good to see Afonso, no doubt. And I want to say, like, the pitch play to him, Tommy Mallott missed it a couple times. And Afonso would have had pay dirt on that. Happy he's out there, no doubt. And he said in his pressure today that he's feeling as good as he's has since 2019, which is awesome. Yep. I know we're going to need him. But to the question, the Golden Cooley question, I'm not sure we needed him. I, and that's going to sound ridiculous coming from Montana State fan podcast, but... We've been so dominant in our running game. I don't know if like it made a big difference. No, we. I, in fact, I, honestly, I thought he was a little bit rusty, yep. a little bit so in there. No, we would have won this game, I think, regardless if Afonso was in there. And you're right, there was a there was the botched pitch from Tommy to Afonso, who got rocked. 
Um, he bobbled the pitch and just got crushed. I think if he would have caught that right away, he would have made a cut and, and at least not gotten blasted. And then no, of course there was going to get plastered on that one. I think he would have made at least a cut to not, uh, he would have lost yards. Don't get me wrong. I just think, you know, the extra second bobbling it got him destroyed. But then there was the, uh, the botched RPO or the, you know, the read option where Tommy left in his gut and I don't know whose fault it was, but the ball hit the turf. So that's just a chemistry issue right there. And it's, it's good to get him worked in, in a game where you won, obviously, but it's, it's good to get him worked in. Cause hopefully that stuff will resolve itself moving into William and Mary. So I, overall the worst part was, I guess just the rust and the chemistry issues and the fumbling and those, those two plays I mentioned, but the best part was just seeing 22 out there. He had that one run off to the right side where he crashed into like three Weber state defenders and just like, did the high stepped right out of it and got like six more yards untouched. Like that's like, that's like Elliot's really a tough runner and he's hard to bring down and he does that kind of stuff too. But Afonte does it in a, a kind of a, a different way. I don't know. It was really awesome to see. It's just good seeing him out there yeah. just running the ball. That, that's really what it boils down to. Happy to have him back. Absolutely happy to have him back. Different gonna, type of runner. It's going to be crucial uh, as we go deeper into the playoffs. He's got fresh legs. All right. Thanks for the question. And you, by default, win a golden coolie. So we'll, we'll reach out to you on Twitter. You can call <laughs> it a koozie if you want. We're not going to call it a coolie. You did question why we called it a, a coolie. You can call it whatever you want. We are our, our official stance as a LLC is that they are coolies. <laughs> As a registered LLC in the state of Montana, they are coolies. She making fun of us because we call it coolies? Yes. That's all right. Guess it won't send her a sticker then. No. Or a magnet. Just a coolie. Just a coolie. <laughs> Just for the little jab. <laughs> Whatever. Thanks for the question. We appreciate it. We're just giving you a hard time. Already. Okay. Well, Thorny, I know we kind of covered. I mean, we covered a lot of this game yesterday. What else do you want to talk about? It. I don't know. That's a good question. Like, uh, that's a good question. We did cover a lot yesterday. We talked more than I think we normally do. We also said several times yesterday that we were gonna. We'll talk more about this on Monday. What were those things? What were we gonna talk more about? I know you. You had mentioned uh, Tommy's you know, read progressions and missing wide open receivers. Is that something you wanted to expand upon? I think you made pretty good points about that on Sunday night. Yeah. I don't want to go back there. I'll just get riled up. Just get riled up again. Why are you riled up wide about open. that? I know it's frustrating. So wide open in the middle of this. So wide open. And you're sitting over there going, well, you know, it's his uh, first year passing the ball. He might not be able to make that throw. How can you not make the throw? There's no one around him. Just look at him and launch it. That's all you got to do. Yeah. I could do that. No, I could make that. No, play. you could not. I could. You could not. That is my number I one. I would bet money I could make that's that. That's my number one beef is like average average dudes thinking that they could make Division One plays <laughs> in basketball. I played quarterback. You, I I could do that. I could make that throw. So you could. I you, could make that you throw. Could, you could. Make a throw, rolling to your right, forty yards downfield. 
right I'm now a dime, man. as a 40-year-old man? Yes, I can. Heck yeah. <laughs> Give it to me. Pass it over to those mountains, man. You would get sacked <laughs> immediately. <laughs> no, I wouldn't. <laughs> you ever watch that Joes versus Pros TV show they used to have on? That, that's, that's you, man. That's you. <laughs> Thinking, oh, yeah, I have to play quarterback in middle school. I could pass that ball. All I'm saying is, you're 100 percent right. Thomas is CT at Taco Dollar running free and wild down the middle of the field. Pass him the damn ball. You're 100 percent right, and that that pass needs to happen. Okay, I'm not going to argue with that, but just don't sit there and say that you could do it. That's where I'm like, yeah. I'm going to smack. I you. could do that one, man. He's that <laughs> wide open. He's that wide open. If I had a clean pocket, easily I could make that pass. Okay. Easily. Okay. Well, it does need to happen. That's that's the next step of his game. Uh, we've been talking about it all year. But yeah, I, you you did see that one where he threw it to Taco Dallard along the left sideline, and it was a good pickup. It was like a 24-yard gain or something. But Cleveland Thomas was streaking about 15 yards to his right <laughs> along the hashes. Like, he even raised his hand up. He's like, uh, <laughs> He's like, hello? Give him the Randy Moss. Hey, <laughs> hit me. I'm... Wide freaking open. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Thorny, put it on a Twitter poll for me and give me the results. Could fully make that pass. Could fully. All right. I'll try and clip the from the YouTube, um, the YouTube uh, highlights of the entire game. Could Ryan Foley make this exact pass? We'll find yes. out. No, to the wide open. To wide open, Cleveland uh, Thomas. Well, yeah. Taco there, there he is, right there. You see him right there. Could fully hit that guy. Yes, there it is. My answer is no, hundred percent no. You would underthrow it by ten yards in the dirt. Not even a chance, man. Cleveland Thomas is fast as anybody you would have ever thrown the football to. <laughs> <laughs> I could do it. I played sports growing up, man. I know I could do it. Yeah. All right. Ryan fully played sports twenty years ago. He could do it. All right. Let's move on, people. Let's move on to something else here. This is a stupid argument. Uh. Uh, let's talk about William and Mary. How about that? 40 minutes in. Let's do it. Let's make the transition. Sorry. How about this? How about this? I'll put a little bow on Weber. Being able to beat Weber State not only once this year, but twice this year, was not something I was going to expect. If you go back into, I'm looking at the preseason stuff that Thorny and I put out. I think Thorny, I had an L. Next to Weber State on October 22nd. I thought we were going to lose to these guys. If you would have told me this year that we would beat these guys twice, once, and then in the playoffs, I would have been like, wow, that's pretty stinking impressive. And so, like, cheers to Montana State because I think that quietly kind of turns a new page in Montana State athletics, at least for our football team. Yeah, I could, I could totally agree with that because Weber was really good this year. I actually had them... I don't have it in front of me. I, ha- I had them like at seven and four. I had us beating them. I, I had them losing to Utah State at the very least. Uh, I probably had them losing to the Grizz. Like I don't remember. I, me- I remember I just I did not think Weber was going to be all that good this year, but they, obviously they were. Uh, I should never doubt a Jay Hill team. I don't know what I was thinking, but yeah, beating them twice, and it was just so nice to beat them straight up in just in in a well fought football game to put that first game to rest because there were so many weird what ifs in that game. 
so many crazy things happened in that game that this this game uh there was no blocked kicks there was no special te- there was no special teams plays really one way or the other it was like special teams were just washed out in this game so we beat them just straight up like we were just the better football team our offense was better than their defense and our defense was better than their offense good enough to keep them out of the end zone for most of the game so just love that uh beating a team twice I thought Weber State, when he got that draw, was pretty, pretty awful. And I was pretty concerned about it. But here we are. Here we are, moving on to the quarterfinals, taking down Weber State twice in one season. It's a good feeling. Weber finishes in 10-3 and with two losses to Montana State, one loss to Sac State. We mentioned that yesterday. I mean, that tells you how good Weber State was. From a year ago when they had a down season to rebound, that's a really good team we just beat. And I thought, to me, like Weber State in the bracket, probably was like probably like the fifth best team in my estimation. So I thought of all the uh, first round draws that you could have had, or our, our, I'm sorry, the second round draws, the first game for any of the seeded teams, I thought Weber State was the worst. Like the best yeah, non seeded team. Hey, question for you. Buy I'm or glad sell. You got him at home. Jay, Jay Hill's coaching Weaver State next year. Oh, you know. You know. <laughs> There's a Tommy Malat-ism for you. You know. Uh, he says that quite a bit. Uh, let's see. There's always the dance he has with the Utah schools. I feel like he's done this a couple times. Yeah. Yes, I'm going to buy he is coaching Weaver State next year. I'm hearing um, he's going to be the defensive coordinator at BYU because they fired. He's on the list. He's on a list. They fired that guy. Uh, I don't remember his name, but he was like a, he, his name was mentioned briefly for the Montana state head coaching job. Remember? It was like, a, nope. like a Hawaiian or Polynesian guy. Okay. Yeah. The defensive coordinator for BYU. He was potential. Like he was on the candidate list briefly at Montana state. Didn't get the job. And now BYU had a terrible season this year. So uh, the, Weber, the Weber State guys of the Big Sky Podcast Network are hearing little whispers about Jay Hill being the DC down in BYU, but we'll see. So, oh, so the boys are saying it. Well, that's different. They're saying they're, they're hearing means. The potential. They're not confirming anything. Yeah. Like you said, they, they, he's been doing this dance, right? So we'll, we'll see. Um, I think he's maximized. Is he maxed out at Weber State? Is Couldn't it, tell you. His formula is, is this as good as his formula is going to ever get? I kind of think so. That's kind of how right, I feel. 10 too. and 3. You know, you're just kind of kicking yourself because all of a sudden there's a Montana State team that's a national contender. That's something new, right? Our Bobcats are not just hoping to be in the semifinals. We probably should be in the semifinals. Maybe. Montana State's a legit national title contender. So then you get that draw, tough. Yeah. We're Weber sin- State has the talent to go to the semifinals, but they just ran into us. Yeah, we're sitting here talking about is a bad draw for us. Well, how bad of a draw was it for Weber State? <laughs> I mean, they could have gone they to like to the – They could have played like uh, like Gardner-Webb or something. They would have smoked Gardner-Webb. And then they would have gone on to play like Sanford or something like that, or Incarnate Word. I think they could. I think they could handle some of the other seeded teams. So rough draw for Weber right. State, rough draw for Montana State, but uh, better team won. 
We have to talk William and Mary. That's so almost fifty minutes in. That's all right. <laughs> we spent ten minutes whether arguing where you could you could throw a, a thirty five yard pass. So that put it on the pole. Good Let use the of time. <laughs> all right, William and Mary. Let's do a little bit of background on William and Mary. Their first colonial colonial athletic association, CAA. I assume that's what it stands for. The first CAA. Uh, shared title of any kind, title of any kind since 2015, which is all, also the last time they played in the playoffs. They uh, won a tiebreaker with New Hampshire. I'm not sure exactly how or why, but uh, yeah, they shared a title and they ended up getting the automatic bid from some sort of tiebreaker. They are, their head, their head coach is Mike London, who was hired in 2019. Uh, the previous coach, and I don't have his name down here, but he was at William & Mary for 39 years. That's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. That's a lot. I assume he retired. <laughs> uh, Mike London coached so. at, uh, head coach at Richmond from 2008 to 2009. Interestingly enough, in 2008, they won a national championship at Richmond against Bobby Houck and the Montana Grizzlies, the first edition of Bobby Houck. That landed him a gig at Virginia from 2010 to 2015, where he was ended up resigning after going 27 and 46. Then he spends a year at Howard, uh, which is an HBCU, I believe. I'm not entirely sure where Howard is, but uh, they are an FCS school. And then uh, after that, he got hired back at William & Mary and has slowly been rebuilding that program. He went 5-7 and seven his first year, um, throwing out the COVID season. Then he went to 6-5. and five, Last year, and then eleven and one currently this year, which is the most regular season wins in William and Mary history. Only loss to Elon, quarterbacked by none other than Matt McKay. So just just kind of Whoa. some funny funny tidbits here, and their number three senior wide receiver, uh, Kalen Newton, is the younger brother of Cam Newton, who was at the the playoff game in. Uh, their last their last playoff game against Gardner Webb, Cam Newton was in the in this section leading on cheers, like doing the wave and stuff. It's kind of kind of funny. So there's some background on William and Mary, um, who ran through the CAA this year, um, losing only to Elon. All right. The only thing I know about these guys is they can run the ball. All right. Let's yeah. Let's talk a little bit about some crazy stats. So offensively. Yeah, they are the they have the fourth best rushing offense in in the country. Two hundred seventy seven yards per game, like you said. Yep. Have you have you watched much of Guess them? Who's number two? Us. Yep. We're number two. Yeah, we're like number two. less than a yard away from being number one to a triple option team, Davidson, who got trounced. So basically, in the first round. we're number one. We're number one. Yeah, I, I said we're debatable a few years people. ago. It's not debatable. We're the best rushing team in the country. No, I haven't watched a lot of William and Mary. I watched a little bit of the game on Saturday against Gardner Webb. I was impressed with Darius Wilson, their quarterback. They look pretty balanced to me. I've watched a lot of FCS football this year uh, when I have the opportunity in spurts against like just good matchups, national matchups, not within the Big Sky Conference, but not the CAA. Because they are restricted to some flow sports streaming package, which is its own pay model. So they're not part of ESPN plus. So I've, I've literally watched like no CAA football this year. 
Uh, there's like no highlights anywhere of William and Mary on, on YouTube. I've checked. It's very minimal. Uh, I was able to watch in, uh, a lot of the Gardner Webb game because it was on ESPN Plus, And now it's on um, YouTube, the entire game archived on YouTube. So I, I was able to watch that game. But other than that, no, I haven't really watched any William & Mary. I don't know very much about them other than what I've been researching here today and what I watched a little bit over the weekend. Coach Vegan calls them dynamic and deceptive. I thought that was a fun word. They run a lot of pre That's the first thing that just jumped out to me. They run a ton of pre-snap motions. They remind me very much of the Bobcats. A guy moving at, at the... At, uh, you know, a guy going in motion and they snap the ball like the tight ends going one way and they counter and go the other way. That they, you know, they do a lot of similar stuff. They run outside zone. Danny, you was talking about that today in his press conference that he was participating in. Yeah, you're right, Thorny. A little bit like the Bobcats. You called them the Bobcat light. I mean, that could be wishful thinking. They could just be the Bobcats. Like, like you said, the Spider-Man meme where just two Spider-Mans are pointing at each other. This could be what this is. It's the most similar team I've seen. Um, actually, now that I'm, I think about that, I did watch a good chunk of their uh, FBS win at Charlotte. I remember that now. I watched a little bit of that, like their very first game of the season. They upset FBS team Charlotte. And I remember thinking like, these guys, you know, they, they got a running quarterback who can scramble. They reminded me a lot of the Bobcats. Even back then, I, I remember thinking about that. They have like a three-headed monster at running back. I think the guy we'll see probably the most is Bronson Yoder, number nine. He's a 5'11", 205-pound senior. He's a tough runner, man. He has 1,165 yards on the season, 177 carries, 6.4 yards per carry, 12 touchdowns. He's got about 103 yards per game. He is physical. He's a north and south runner. He's not going to do a lot of cutting or putting his foot down and going. He's just going to get ahead of steam and crash into you and mow you over. So he looked pretty, pretty good against Gardner Webb. Uh, the other guy that I saw a lot in Gardner Webb was Donovan Lester, number four, who's even bigger. He's 6'2", 210. He's perhaps even more physical than Yoder, but he has better breakaway speed. He's got 536 yards on 76 carries. He's got seven yards per carry and eight touchdowns. Uh, he looks pretty good, man. Like they, they do the same thing as the Bobcats. They just substitute running backs in and out. They It doesn't matter who's back there. They got a good offensive line. They got a good scheme and they're going to get their yards. What do you think of their size? I haven't looked at the depth chart. I thought they looked big enough. I thought they looked plenty big. Okay. All right. I know you had mentioned that you like look at some of these other teams and just think they don't pass the eye test necessarily. I thought William & Mary did. And their, their second leading receiver is their tight end. And he's 6'6", 255. Yeah, that's a big guy. That's a big man. His name is uh, yep. Lachlan, which just seems like a very East Coast name to me. Lachlan Pitts, number 31, 6'6", 255. <laughs> second team all-conference, second leading receiver, 27 catches for 529 yards as a, as a tight end. Man. Lachlan Pitts. It's going to bring the hurt. All right. Well, I think uh, some early sports betting has us at like you know 10 point favorite right now i was watching the line against weber we kept going like we started like a seven and it just kept creeping down i think it settled at six by the time game started i wonder what this one will settle at as well 
I don't know, Thorny, uh, does this remind you anything like uh, Austin P a couple years ago? You know, night game. No. Kind of someone coming over. From I mean, a little bit, yeah, but I, I respect the CA as a conference a lot more than uh, the OVC. I believe is where Austin P was playing, at least at the time. There's been so much reshuffling. I don't know who's where anymore, but I'm pretty sure Austin P was in the OVC, which is just a different conference. Like the CA is a better conference. Like Richmond. Almost beat Sac State. They, they took him to the wire there. I do think the CAA had five teams in the playoffs, and I think William Mary's the only one left standing. Okay. But yeah. So here's kind of my final thoughts on these guys is I'm not so much worried about their run game because I think our run defense is pretty good. I think that's probably the strength of our defense. Where I'm a little bit concerned is how Darius Wilson might carve us up through the air. So, like last week, I think we need to win the time of possession battle. Just continue to have some long sustained drives, which I think we will. If we can do that, I think we're going to beat these guys. Yeah, Darius Wilson, man, he had a good game passing against Gardner Webb. He, uh, I don't know the stats in front of me, but he, um, he throws a nice three hundred and eight or something like that. Yeah, he throws a nice deep ball. But they also what they did against Gardner Webb was very slow developing. Like they had these, uh, he'd stand in the pocket for like four seconds before he unleashed the ball. I think a big key will be getting him uh, uncomfortable, getting him scrambling. I'd rather have him run for eight yards than him throw a sixty-yard touchdown pass. Mm-hmm. Because he is their fourth-leading rusher. He's got he's has five hundred twenty-two yards on the season. He's got 6.3 yards per carry himself. He has 167 passer rating. That's pretty good. He's 144 of 221. He's got 2,200 yards, roughly 16 touchdowns with six interceptions. He's a lefty, which always presents a little bit different challenge, and he's got a big arm. So he's not he's not uh, going to necessarily break, break off any big runs, but he's definitely more mobile than Bronson Barron was, and Barron had some good rushes. He always has some good rushes against the Bobcats. And they go for eight yards and he slides, but you know, a guy who can go for 15 in that situation is a whole different you know, scenario. And the last thing I'll say on their offense is they have two first team all conference offensive linemen. Must be nice to have your offensive line rewarded after having the best rushing uh, attack in your conference. Must be nice. <laughs> Take note, big sky. That's what you do. When you have a bunch of running backs and a quarterback and they're all and you have the best rushing uh, attack in the entire nation with no single guy over like, you know, <laughs> no individual rusher that's breaking any records or having a big standout season. It's probably because you have a pretty good offensive line. OK, thank you. Rant over. Have anything on their defense that we should know about? I got lots to talk about here, man. You're like all ready to get out of here. I got tons of stuff to talk about. Their defense, their rushing defense, middle of the pack, 43rd in rushing defense in yards per game. They're 37th in passing. Doesn't bode well for them. 37th in passing defense. They're 38th overall total yards per game. But where where it matters, they're 8th or tied for 8th in scoring defense. That's all that really matters. They very much employ a bend but don't break system. They are 12th in red zone defense which with how the Bobcats have been performing in the red zone of offense is a bit of a concern for me. They got a really good red zone defense and our red zone offense has been pretty miserable lately. 
Yeah. Well, for one game, we were really good in the cat grace. Sure. sure. But uh, that's something that you could uh, point to. Um, they're sixth in the nation. Uh, these are all nation- national stats at this point. And opponent third down conversion percentage. So they're very good at getting out the field on third down. Whereas the cats are like, I don't have, I don't have the cat stats in any of this, but we're, we're top 10 nationally in third down percentage as an offense. So that'll be a big, uh, I think a big matchup there is can the cats convert on third, third and threes and third and fours and third and fives. They do have a Buck Buchanan award finalist, uh, the CAA defensive player of the year. Their outside linebacker, John Pius, number eight, six, two, two thirty pound senior. He's a really good player, but he only had one tackle in the Gardner Webb game. So I don't know his status. I think he may have gone out with an injury in that one. Um, I was trying to get a gauge on that. It's hard to find stuff on some of these teams that don't have a bunch of media coverage. So I think, I think they might have some injuries at linebacker, but I, I'd expect some of their guys to be back that got nicked up at Gardner Webb. Any game that, you know, it was over in the middle of the second quarter. So anybody that could have come back or maybe had to come back, uh, didn't have to. I was just trying to find some stats on Montana State's defense. Middle of the pack, man. Just like you said. What's our scoring defense? Do you have it up? Yeah. Pull that up. Scoring defense is 56 in the nation, averaging 27.2 points per game. Not great, Bob. (laughs) No. I So I feel like... William Mary's going to score some points. They got a good offense. Well, they got a good rushing attack, and they can hit you over the top if you sneak up on the run. If we're able to stuff their run and force them to pass more than they want to, that's probably the best scenario. But if they get their running game going a little bit, it doesn't have to be a lot, but just enough to keep keep the chains moving, uh, I think William and Mary can score some points. I'm thinking they could score 20, 30-some points against the Bobcats. Maybe. I mean, in theory, yes. Where I think Montana State's going to make some hay is getting after the quarterback faster than Gardner-Webb did. That's for certain. I also think we're not going to allow 300 yards of rushing on us. That's for certain. And it's going to be cold, man. I'm just going to tell you right now, like, I that's going to be a real factor. Those guys are going to be, uh, like you said, they're going to be hyped. You're going to one hit. It's probably not going to play that much of a thing, but it's going to be something. Am I being too optimistic here? I don't think so. I think, I mean, I am optimistic about this, but I'm, you know, I understand that this is an opponent capable of beating the Bobcats. Absolutely they are. Yeah. I don't think that they will, but if if they execute the game plan and the Cats come out flat and Gardner-Webb gets things, Gardner-Webb, uh, William Mary gets things rolling off the bat and gets up t- into a lead. I mean, that's that's the worst thing the Bobcats can can do is get down early, give a team hope right away, and then have to fight your way back, and then potentially worst case scenario have to pass your way back into a game. <laughs> we don't want to do that. No, we have though. I mean, we've done that scenario a couple yeah. times this year. So, I think Seabass. Valdez, Kenneth Hyden, put a corner blitz. We're gonna we're gonna make some pressure in the back. I like it, man. I hope you're right. I like where our I I think our defense is trending in the right direction. 
I, I think our overall stats right now doesn't give really light to how good we are, actually. I could I could agree with that statement, but I also think I think William Mary's got a good offensive line. I think they're gonna I think the quarterback's only been sacked like less than ten times this year. So I think the Bobcat fans. Did just you think just that, make that up? No, I'm pretty sure I saw that. <laughs> that is me thinking I saw something at some point in my research. I could be wrong. I just think Bobcat just, fans I, I think looked. we're just going to uh, overwhelm their offensive line. He's got two like first team all conference guys on it. I'm not sure it's going to happen. All right. Well, it's going to be a showdown, Bozeman, man. I love it. This is what playoff football should be. Absolutely. We've got a, a high ranked. Statistically, poll wise, seed wise, team coming into Bozeman. I mean, that's what that's what the playoffs are for, man. Getting these teams. We we'd never played William and Mary before. Um, I don't know that, but not in my lifetime anyway. I don't remember ever playing William and Mary. So we may have, and I haven't done the research on this way back in the day or something, but uh that's what it's for, man. Like that's what the playoffs are so awesome. I hear William and Mary fans complaining that they have to come out and how it's a big advantage that's Friday night. In the cold weather, Montana, and that's like I even one guy even said like the playoff committee wants the Bobcats to win. I mean, this is you earn that right in the FCS to host football games. This isn't the college football playoff where you go to some neutral site, man. You you win all your regular season games, you get to play in your stadium. And I'm sorry that a national a national tournament includes a site that's in a frigid temperature in Montana. I'm sorry. <laughs> that's just how it works. We earned that right. I don't want to hear any complaints about that. No. Well, let's set, set the stage, right? So Montana State in the lights, Friday night, ESPN. We've been there. We've won games in this situation, and we've lost games in this situation. Yeah. Do you remember Denarius McGee against uh, Sam, Sam Houston, Houston State? State? I don't ago? want to think about that. No. Yeah, I, I remember, I remember losing I remember. on national television underneath the lights. That was the rematch. Just being completely, yeah, completely frustrating. Because we lost, lost in, and, uh, in Sam Houston State the year before. And we're like, all right, now it's at home. Now we're going to do our thing. It, it was like the exact same situation. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Got ran out of Then moment. a couple of years later when we have Jeff Choate and we did the same scenario, but we tossed those monkeys off our back against Austin P. That was one of my favorite games, watching – Montana State. It was just everything was rolling that game. It kind of a fun thing to think about. Um, the Cats have been in the playoffs in 18, 19, 21, and now 22. And the last time was 2015. Mm -hmm. That's what that's the answer then. That's the last time the Bobcats lost a playoff game at home was 2015. South hmm. Dakota State. Or no, that was 14. That was 2014. 2015 was the year we had a losing record and we fired Rob Ash. So last time the Bobcats won a or lost a home playoff game, and we've had several since then. Well, 2014. Was that South Dakota State? Yeah. Dakota Prukop? Yep. Yeah. That would be the one. And then the next year it all fell apart. <laughs> it was already falling apart. Do you know that Montana State only has one playoff road victory? Yeah, Sam Houston State. Yeah. That just shows you, man, winning, Which was like, in, winning in the playoffs game. is hard. Winning on the road in the playoffs is even harder. Mm -hmm. Like People don't realize that. Like It's not some simple one-off bowl game. Like You got to keep doing it. It's it's a hard thing to learn how to do. Like Ask Idaho. Ask, ask most first-time 
participants in the playoffs, it's it's hard to learn how to do. It takes a certain mentality. And the Cats have it. And that's why I'm ex- uh, extremely confident in this because there are so many guys that were on that squad last year that made it to the national championship that have known nothing but winning in the playoffs. Think about that. Yeah. Uh, outside, you know, the national You're championship, right. but we, we've won a lot of playoff games last few years, starting in 2018 with the Troy Anderson incarnate word victory at home. <laughs> kind of funny. Things come full circle. But uh, I'm confident, man. Like, I'm feeling good about this one. I think, to sum it up, I think the Bobcats will be able to score. Uh, the concern I think probably most Bobcat fans share is can we stop them from scoring enough? I think William Mary will score. I think they'll move the ball. I just don't think that William when Mary will have a chance to stop us at all. Do you think William and Mary has a better offense than Weaver does? It's a good question. Uh, Yes, I do. Okay. Their their quarterback is could be a game like. Go ahead. You ask your question. Do you think it could be like a offense we face like Northern Arizona? No. I mean, they're they're us. They're Weaver State's offense, but better. They have a similar situation. Like if you want to compare like Josh Davis, Dante McMillan, and then their other guy to the guy that, uh, I mean, it's a similar, they, they have like each, each team has like three really good running backs. They have a really good, big offensive line. They have a quarterback who throws it when they want him to, and is efficient and goes for the big, the big home run balls more than anything. I mean, they're very similar. I just think yeah. William and Mary does it better. Hmm. I mean, do your knowledge. Do our limited knowledge, right? I mean, it's hard to compare schedules. Like that's always the hard part. I don't know how really good the CAA is and all these kinds of things. Exactly. But so. I do know their quarterback, Darius uh Wilson, is fourth, or I'm sorry, what is he in the country? Dang it. I had it. Where'd it go? Anyway, as a team, they are the fourth most efficient passing team in the country. But they're 83rd in yards per game. So they don't throw it a lot, but they're extremely efficient when they do. All right. I'm good to go, dude. I think uh I think that's all to be said. Quarterfinals. Uh, I mean there's there's more I could talk about on this, but you know, I think we'll call it there. That's a good that's a good stopping <laughs> point, I think. I got I got lots of research here, man. I spent a good chunk of my uh, uh I spent like an hour today researching all this. I'm feeling good about talking about this. I got more to say. You did a good job. Thank you. You really did. You brought it home, man. I got to give it to you. Well, if anyone wants to talk more about this offline, you know, just hit me up on Twitter. I'll be, I'll, I'll probably be tweeting <laughs> random stuff about this all week. Feeling good about this, man. I think the cats. I think the cats are going to take this one home. And I hope so. Going to go back to the semifinals. I didn't think Montana State was going to be as good as they are this year. The funny thing is, like. Montana State's been known for their defense, and all of a sudden we're like this offensive juggernaut, right? I still have a hard time like wrapping my brain around that. I'm like, we should be really good on defense, but no, we're like kick ass on offense. And we're just like, oh, come on, defense. My, show yeah, up. my question is, why can't we ever have both? Like, we're either really good on offense or we're really good on defense. The last time we Maybe had both year. was probably 
those Darius McGee, 2010, 2011, 2012 teams. Those are the most balanced, good offenses and good defenses. But we after didn't that, do anything with those guys, though. Yeah, well, that's Locked the thing. The Sam Houston State. They, they weren't built for the playoffs, though. I'm just saying, like, if you want to take, like, the talent and the scoring and the stats, like, that was, that was the best balance we've had. After that, it was either okay. all offense or all defense, and now it's, like, all, back to all offense. <laughs> Which is weird. Like, I thought we would still be a defensive-minded team. But, you know, you lose Troy Anderson, Daniel Hardy. Yeah. Chase Benson, Amandre Williams. Trey it's going yeah, to feel a little bit different. Yeah. So those were some dudes, man. We had a great team last year defensively, but I think overall, I think the Bobcats. Trey Webb. Oh, yeah. I said that. Overall, a better. I think we're a better team overall. Yeah. We're, better we're the most it. team team I can remember as a, as a unit. These uh, Bobcats. No Not one. Star powered. Yeah. No one individual. Player who gets played all game, even in mop up duty, even when there's better players piling up stats on our team. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get out of here. That was tired. That's a little jab, right? You, you you caught that, right? I didn't. I wasn't even listening. You were to yawning you. and listen, <laughs> like laying back and not even listening to my jab about Robbie Houck. Okay. All right. Well, let's oh, get out of here. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Man, I'm excited about this one. Friday night football. Friday's going to suck working. I know that much. There's no way I'm going to get any work done on Friday. Thanks again to everyone for listening. Thanks for the questions. Uh, question this time, but that's our, all f- our own fault for not really putting any feelers out there. You can find us on the web, rrcatcast.com. You can find us on Twitter, rrcatcast. You can find us on every other social media platform, basically, at rrcatcast. And you can always find us in Bobcat Nation. Under our 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 R Catcast thread and also the Golden Cooley thread, that's where we kind of feel these questions. Thanks again to Manhattan Bank for being our Dank Bank sponsor for this year. And fully, let's get out of here, man. Let's go, cats. Go cats. Go cats. Fly your flag. 